welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, United Bank, Mylin, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Welcome to Positively West Virginia. Each week on our podcast, we talk with West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with listeners just like you all across America. Our goal is to help educate and motivate our audience with these inspirational business stories. All of our guests are people who are absolutely getting it done in West Virginia, and I'm convinced we can all learn a lot from their experiences and their stories. This week, we're going to learn about Chad Corey and his company, Corey Geosteering. Chad. Are you ready to get down to business? Yes, sir. All right, Chad. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast to share your story. Chad Corey is the owner of Corey Geosteering, headquartered in Morgantown, West Virginia. Corey Geosteering is an oil and gas consultancy company that provides a variety of geologic services that support horizontal drilling. Chad Corey is a petroleum geologist and received a Bachelor of Science degree in geology from West Virginia University in 2010 and completed his Master's of Science in Geology from WVU in 2016. Corey Geosteering is in their fifth year in business and almost nine years in the oil and gas industry and they've provided services for 30 individual exploration and production companies in 18 unique geologic oil and gas plays across the United States. With a keen focus on precision and innovation, Chad has developed a number of quantitative and qualitative methods for improving the effectiveness and efficiency of horizontal drilling. Moreover, bridging the gap from drilling to completion to production, his workflows amalgamate all crucial aspects of upstream oil and gas to ensure each client excels so they can develop their acreage to its maximum potential. Tenacity afforded Chad the ability to work his way through the recent downturn in oil and gas prices to ride the wave upward. His defiance in the face of the greatest challenge to his industry in 30 years is a testament to his unwavering dedication to dictating the direction of the future. I invited Chad on the show today to talk about his company, to share his story, and to give our audience some valuable insight into his business in West Virginia. Chad, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that brief intro, and give us a little behind-the-curtain look into your company. Well, thank you, Jim. Um, I really laid it all out there pretty black and white. The general services that I provide, if people are not really familiar with the process of geosteering, is to essentially guide the directional drillers and the individuals on location Mm -hmm. who are actually drilling the well to keep the well bore within a specific strata. And the geology is specific in certain areas. Uh, If you have the Marcellus formation, for example, which is the most relevant to this area, you have a number of different regions in this basin that extends from Pennsylvania to West Virginia. And Mm -hmm. going deeper, you have the Point Pleasant Utica formation that extends into Ohio, that you have different characterizations for the the geology, depending on where you're at. And the, the way that you drill the well in northeastern Pennsylvania is going to be different from 
Marshall County, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So whenever I am receiving data in real time from my clients on location, I am looking at it 24-7, 365, and I am determining what our position is in section in, in the stratigraphy in order to keep the well bore within our optimal zone of drilling, which also will lead into being optimal for geomechanics, which is necessary for the initiation and propagation of fractures for the hydraulic fracturing process or fracking. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty broad overview. I could really get into the, the, the grainy details, but I'll, I'll spare the listeners on that <laughs> because it is a, quite a complicated process. But if anyone is, is interested in learning more about it, I'm more than happy to always take the time to educate people because there's mm. a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I would I would love to do my part to help the industry and to help people to understand specifically what goes into the process of drilling and fracking and production and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to dig dig down and uh, <laughs> no pun intended. We're going to dig a little deeper into that subject here in a, in a few minutes. But Chad, I got to ask you, you know geology how the heck did you get started into this line of work you know working in oil and gas and everything what what was your driving force to to get you into this line of work when i look back on it it's always been an interesting story to tell and people always get a chuckle out of it but i went to high school at university high in morgantown and in my senior year i was able to take part in the access program which allowed me to take WVU classes as a senior in high school. And my senior year, I actually spent more time in my day at the university than I did at the high school. And as you could tell, I was, I was ready to get out of there. And I, one of the classes, I, I love history, so I took History 101. I took uh, algebra, trigonometry, the first level of math. And then I took geology. And I thought to myself initially, I'll just get it out of the way. It's one of those general education curriculum type classes. I'll just get it out of the way. And after the, the first lecture I attended, I had uh, Jack Renton as my instructor. And anyone who knows uh, the arts and sciences program at WVU knows that Dr. Renton, he, t- he taught for 50 years at WVU. Yeah. He did 100, 100 semesters of Geology 101. He's an amazing instructor. He was one of the last guys to use an overhead projector. And he would, <laughs> illustrate, he would illustrate all of his lectures real time while explaining it. He wrote his own textbook that's used around the country, and he did all of his own illustrations. And they're very, it was very great lecture. And in the first lecture that I attended, I realized, wow, the universe is a really big place. And he would start in the big, the big, large scale idea of, of the universe and the formation of the universe and the earth and the planets mm. and the solar system. And he would got, get more and more granular. And at the end of that lecture, I didn't realize, I didn't admit it to myself, but I realized like, this is, this is so fascinating. And I actually spent my first, some, my first year at WVU as a music major and I, I wanted to be a rock star, but <laughs> pun intended, I still am. But that's great. The, the, yeah, the, the, the challenge that I faced though with that was it, it was a bad decision in the moment, but in hindsight, it was, it was what I needed to do in order to help me understand and, and mature to that point. So at, at, towards the end of my undergrad, it was, you know, 2010 
and oil and gas was booming in this region and people were needed. And with a geology degree and a, a positive attitude, I received a job very quickly. Hmm. And from there, I just continued to work. And the first few paychecks kind of alleviate all sorts of uh, paranoia that one may have about, is this the right industry that I do the right thing or not? Sure, because yeah. the money is pretty good. And it's really all been history from there. My journey as, as starting my own business and running it really stemmed out of necessity. Yeah. Well, I, well let's, let's, yeah. let's uh, before we jump into that, I really want to, you know, it, I just think that's so cool that, you know, one pivotal moment, one lecture was able to really kind of put you on a course, right? That's pretty that's yeah. pretty cool. And uh and I don't know if you realized it at the time, but realizing it now is even, you know, very cool. To the fact that you said, "Hey, that I traced my my career this uh getting started in this in this career path this line of work down to that one lecture." And that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Before we you know dive deeper into uh, what it is you guys do at Corey Geosteering. Give us your your 30-second elevator pitch. What is it that you tell people that you do, Chad? Well, Corey Geosteering, as you mentioned in the initial blurb, is an oil and gas consultancy. We provide support for horizontal drilling, mm-hmm. specifically the process of geosteering, which is to um, uh, analyze the data that's coming from the well site real time to determine what our position in section is and where we need to be relative to the optimal geology, the optimal rock mechanics. Mm-hmm. And we keep in touch with the directional drillers and the client to whatever degree of intensity that they need. If they need us to just inform them about where we are in the geology, then we can do that. If they want us to take the reins and put the well in the optimal zone perfectly, we can do that. Beyond that, prior to the actual drilling, we can do exploration work and to help determine from a multifaceted point of view what the best position should be for what the best stratigraphy should be, the target window. And not only that, but taking into consideration not just the geology but also the the necessary aspects of, of wellbore placement in order to minimize the tortuosity of the wellbore so that we're not bending the pipe too much and it's easy to run casing and all that kind of stuff and also mm. taking into consideration what limitations we have at the surface with land and legal issues and all of that not to say that i have a degree in, in all any in, in all of those aspects but i have done my best to educate myself there mm. we have as you said i i personally have experienced geosteering doing work for 30 individual companies across the United States, 18 unique geologic plays, oil and gas plays, some most mainly unconventional shale plays, but some conventional sand plays and limestone plays that have been uh, targeted horizontally. And at any any point in time, you know, I, I really do believe that all possible contingencies are taken into consideration. I think that's a big thing that I can bring to the table is that we're not going to get complacent and assume that we know our, our analysis is correct. Right. We're going to really dive deep and ensure that we are uh, certain that we know where we are. Well, I can only imagine it's, it's got to be, you know, you're, you're stealing, steering this, uh, this drilling team. It, you know, one wrong turn could cost millions. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Chad, what's the, what's the one thing that you're most excited about for your company right now? The current attitude in the industry, the current uh, overall demeanor of of all the companies that are drilling, there's still a little hesitation because a lot of people got burned in the recent downturn of oil and gas prices. But there is activity that's happening. Hydrocarbons are valuable. 
the infrastructure build out is significant, especially in this region. And the opportunity to have that I've, I've amassed a, a solid clientele that I know that year over year, my clients are not going to be drilling hundreds of wells at a time, but they're going to be drilling half a dozen to 10 wells a year. But if I have several of those clients in my pocket and I'm you know, essentially part of their family in a way, that I know that, that I, I can rely on them to, to see the value that I bring to them. Yeah, so is it, is it a relationship-type driven business? Uh, I mean, you hear a lot of things, you know, big companies coming in that you might be working with, but it's still, you know, when it's all said and done about relationships? Absolutely. The oil and gas industry is really a matter, I shouldn't say a matter of who you know, but it is a very small world. It's very incestual. You're no more than in, in the upstream side. I can speak for this, yeah. and I can't speak for the other side. But in the upstream side, you're no more than two or three degrees of separation from anybody. And as I tell people, the the best, the number one piece of advice to people in the oil and gas industry is don't burn bridges. Not that it's ever good to burn bridges, but you never know who you're going to end up working with or working for or trying to sell your business to, because everybody knows everybody. And in a way, it really is. It really is a comforting thought to know that there's still this old world mentality where you can build relationships with people and really become friends through work. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So, Chad, talk about the geographic market you serve. You know, is it primarily in the in the eastern part of the country where you know the Marcellus and Utica is? It's just I don't want to you know assume anything. Tell us the the geographic market that you guys serve. Yes. So Northeast is where I've amassed the majority of my experience. I'd say a little more than half of of all the wells I've drilled have been in the Northeast. Most recently, actually, over the last few years, the most, the majority of my work hasn't really been in the Northeast. The Northeast has been, uh, we we are, for for people like me, we are victims of our own success and that one rig today can do something like the equivalent of six rigs five years, six, seven years ago. Don't quote me on that metric, but it's, I've heard something along those lines. And the, you know, the Northeast region, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, I've, I've drilled a lot of wells in South Texas and the Eagle Ford in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico in Wolf Camp, which is the hottest region right now, something like 60 to 65 percent of all the land-based drilling rigs that are drilling in the United States right now are in just that one region, just maybe 20 counties in in West Texas. Uh, Then in the middle of the continent, something like the Oklahoma area, the North Texas area, the Panhandle of Texas, I've done some work there, as well as Eastern Texas into into, uh, plays that extend into Louisiana, as well as Colorado in the Niobrara formation outside of Denver and Weld County, which is a very heavily drilled area and a few things here and there elsewhere. So really the, the, the great thing about modern technology is the fact that I am not limited to the geographic region that I can serve. I've done, I've done a great deal of work for a, a large number of people that I've never met in person. And I think the fact that it's a testament to my own dedication to, to them and their project that I, I've never met these people, but they, I, you know, I keep coming back to them mm-hmm. or they keep coming back to me. Yeah, absolutely. That that's very cool. Especially in, you know, in, in this day and age, you know, with uh, communication and, and access, it's uh, it, that's pretty cool that you can do that. Do you have employees or you a one person shop? How, how does that work? 
I was one person for a while, but I do have someone working under me now. Very cool. Someone who I had worked with in the past at yes. when I was employed previously, and uh, their schedule and my schedule with, with our work and everything never lined up. And then sometime last year, I was picking up a lot of activity and everything, and I gave them a call, and, and it, it turned out to, to really to, to work out. And we've been working together ever since, and, and we're, we're a great team. And it, it's great because, like I said, 24-7, 365. So I will, I will steer 12 hours during the day, usually from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Then my night hand will come on from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I know I have the confidence that, that I won't if, – if there's an issue, I will get called and it will mm-hmm. be fine and we'll, we'll work through it together. But I know that if there's no phone call, I'm not going to wake up in the morning. There's going to be a travesty on my hands. Yeah, So I, I've, I've been fortunate. That's very cool. You know, I, I think about what you know what you're doing, and you know, it's um, it's such a it's, it's such a cool concept. You know that you're, you know, what you're doing and being able to to uh, to be steering these these what these drillers. You know, twenty four seven, three sixty five. You mentioned uh, a minute ago, and I wanted to go, kind of circle back to this about starting your own company was kind of born out of necessity. Can you take us to that place and kind of give us some background on on how you got started? When I was working at the previous company, the, mm-hmm. the last company that I worked for, mm-hmm. I had a, a, a kind of a handshake deal with the head of the company about the fact that I was at the time slowly getting my master's degree. You know, there's a big gap between my undergrad and my master graduation yeah. because about uh, at the end of my undergrad, I, I said, well, I'm never going back to school. I hate it. And then a year and a half later, I was enrolled. But I, I went back at my own pace. And the convenient thing about working from home was that I was able to go back and 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 get my, my degree at my own pace and everything. And when it came time for me to actually formally enroll and, and work the data and, and write my thesis and everything, there was a big there was a big shift happening at that company that I worked at. And essentially it was either I stay there and not able to get my master's degree or I embark on my own, take a bit of a risk and keep myself freed up to finish my studies. So I, I had to make that decision, and, and it was a pretty easy decision, actually. I, I knew I was going to do it. it. It was an exciting time. It was a scary time. The beginning was a little rocky, and then it got better, and then, of course, the prices crashed, and it was tough for a while. But it, coming out of it, coming out on the other side of the, this thing has, has been it's been an adventure, but we're, we're on the ascent. Yeah. So, Chad, one of the things I always talk about is, you know, and listening to that story is, is pretty pretty interesting. I think a lot of our folks could could relate to that. But what I always like to talk about, even though this is positively West Virginia, and our goal is to talk about inspiration, I think sometimes the the those worst moments that we have can teach us a lot. And I wanted to kind of take you to that place of your worst business moment. Take us to that place and just kind of tell us the story of your worst business moment since you started your geosteering company. It's difficult to really think about the worst business moment could could have been any number of things mm-hmm. and in preparation for this this podcast i thought about that really hard about specifically what it could be and i'm not one to point fingers or oust anybody or or lay blame elsewhere because there were pl- plenty of instances where i probably didn't make the ideal decision but i, I do believe as to, to predicate the answer i do believe that in hindsight 
things may seem like bad decisions, but in the moment, given all the available data that you have and, and the situation that you're in, it may be the best decision to make at that moment in time. And there's been instances where I have, at my own fault, trusted people that I've had work for me. The, the person who works for me now wasn't the only person that's worked for me. And I've had people in the past who've helped me out and they have not necessarily been what I should have, the person I should have chosen, but at the, in the moment it was, it was really the best option. You know, having, having friends work for me that weren't necessarily reliable or, or I shouldn't say not necessarily reliable, but uh, not as thorough as, as I would be. And then there were, have been other instances where, you know, you have too much trust in a person mm-hmm. and that, that tends to, to, to bite you. Uh, so, so really I'd say that if anything, it's just the general, the general idea that sometimes I feel like I'm just a little too nice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What would you say is the best thing about being in business in West Virginia? The best thing about being in business in West Virginia, I'd say, is that it's easy to stand out. You're a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. If you have a real, if you have a little, a, a niche in an industry like I do, it's it's fairly easy to be recognizable. Whereas, if you are a bar owner in Morgantown, West Virginia, in a college town, you kind of are a drop in the bucket. So, uh, not to say that that can't be successful and it can't be rewarding, but for for me the uh, ability to meet a lot of people, a lot of people who are important, have an impact in the state is fairly easy. Just networking and making yourself available to the individuals who are decision makers and important. It's like I said, it's, it's a small pond. Yeah. Well, you've, uh, it sounds like you've definitely found your niche, you know, and uh, there's an old saying, it says, says that there's riches and niches. And I think you found a niche, Chad. So I'm really happy for you, man. You seem like you're really, really doing well. I want to take a quick break and just mention some of the sponsors that we have, some of the incredible sponsors we have for Positively West Virginia. And they are the State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. It's the support we receive from these organizations that allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia. Our guest today is Chad Corey with Corey Geosteering. All right, Chad, let's get back to it. What's the vision you have for your company right now? Like long-term, what's your vision? Well, I hope to continue to build my clientele through word of mouth and through observation of what companies are starting to pick up acreage and drill. I would like to be able to move my business in the direction of picking up more people to work for me, which of course requires me to pick up a lot more clients. I, I would like to have something that is that is stable, continuous stream of revenue, part of it being uh, residual in base, and to be able to not only provide the, the geosteering aspect, but also further myself into the exploration side mm. and to really diversify the, the, the services that I provide. As I said, you know, I, I do some exploration work, but I would like to be able to do more of more analytical stuff, sure. both before drilling and after drilling in order to, to bring greater value to the data that's available. Yeah. So you mentioned word of mouth, you know, getting the word out there about your business. How else do you attract new customers for your company? That really has been the the 
cash crop for me is 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 the word of mouth and and knowing everyone. Like I said, it, it's it's rather a rather incestuous industry, mm-hmm. and everybody knows everybody. And doing good work and and having solid stick to itness is something that's going to afford you the ability to have positive word of mouth. And you know, some cold calling uh, it's it's difficult. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of these uh, glorified entrepreneurial types that you see on social media and on YouTube and everything. And, and they have their cold calling shtick, which is actually, I have to admit, quite insightful and, uh, and, and useful. But in, in my realm, it's, it's difficult to really thread the needle on the timing and everything. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's mainly been through word of mouth. And a little bit of the cold calling. Yeah. What's one of the biggest challenges you face, Chad? Well, I, I would say that there's a lot of larger companies that are moving towards an in-house style operations where they have geosteers work in-house. And that's always been the case. There's companies that have been, have, have outsourced the work that I provide mm-hmm. and, and, and no longer use contractors for geosteering. And then there's other companies that say, well, we're going to downsize. We're going to get rid of our geosteering staff, but we're going to contract that work out. So there's always the, the, the it's, it's, there's always a reshuffling of the deck. And the challenges that I face is that I'm not necessarily physically in a region where there's a lot of companies that need my help. I, I do work in this region. I have uh, three clients that will end up drilling, three or four clients that will end up drilling in the northeastern United States in the Appalachian Basin. But physically, not all of them are necessarily located here or only a few of their personnel are located here. Yeah. And so if I was to, ha- to live in an, in an area like Houston or Tulsa or Oklahoma City or Denver, I would be able to just take a 20-minute drive and go see a potential a, a prospective client, take them out to lunch, and have them really get to know me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, Chad, you know, you grew up in Morgantown, is that correct? Yes. So you're, you're, you're a West Virginia guy, and you've, uh, you've decided to stay here and not move to Houston. You're, you're running your company here in West Virginia. You, in essence, created your own opportunity, right, as an entrepreneur. Do I, I mean, is that a fair assessment? Yes. I feel like without me, the, the, the avenue that all of my clients have arrived at, which is using me for that one particular yeah. aspect of that, that, that they need, is I, I've I've generated that I've created this 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 entity that can provide that yes. All right. So so what's one piece of advice that you would give to young people who maybe are contemplating leaving West Virginia to pursue opportunities because they don't feel like there's opportunity here? What's one piece of advice you would give them to, in terms of thinking about entrepreneurship, owning their own company, creating their own destiny, if you will? Well, that's a good question because. You can look at it, I think you could look at that in two different ways. You have someone who wants to stay here from the onset, but you're looking at someone like me who is, is actually the work is happening, the work that I do is happening. Even in the beginning, whenever I was actually working on location at the rig, I was traveling to different parts of West Virginia, different parts of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And it, it's being in a bit of a border town, quote unquote, you do end up crossing the border quite frequently. Sure, but sure. The, yeah, the, the, the thing about 
West Virginia, it, it, it's, it's a very it's a great hospitality and a lot of pride, but I would say never forget where you come from because you could, you could say, you know, you could, you could get that degree, you could get that experience and you can move to Houston. But if you wanted to move home, the, there's always an opportunity here. And I feel like there are, there's a lot of corporations that are incorporated in Delaware, but they've never even been to Delaware and stuff like that. There's plenty of instances like that, but West Virginia, like I said, you're a big fish in a little pond and it's all a matter of how much you want it. And if you want to stay loyal to the state and you wanted to, to always be a, a, a mountaineer, then you know, you could look at it in terms of it's all up to you. There's the the level of education that you can, that you can receive at WVU is the exact same as you can receive in the Ivy league. It's all a matter of how much you want to put into it. And self-education is a big thing. Never stop learning. Keep your mouth shut, eyes open, ears open and absorb as much as you can save as much as you can. And, and really try to, envelop yourself in what it is that you want to do make mm. it a lifestyle mm. don't look at it as a job or something it's a lifestyle that is great value right there you just dropped about 10 pieces of advice <laughs> i asked for one but that was that was awesome man that and i i love that excellent excellent stuff thank you chad thank you what's one thing you do every day that you think contributes to your success exercise uh, that goes that goes without saying it, it's the first thing it, I remember seeing something, reading something like it, 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 the the one thing you don't want to do is the first thing you do in the day. That means everything else in the day is going to be easier. Yeah. And for me, like I said, you know, I've, I've made exercise and, and what I do part of my lifestyle. And with that, you just, you, you have a better, you have just a better demeanor within yourself after you get a good workout in and then you, you sit down in your office and you're able to, to look at everything, you just feel better. But if you, but if you say, if you, if you, if you just say, well, I'm not going to do that today, you just kind of feel crummy about it and, and it leads to everything else feeling crummy. Not to say that I haven't missed workouts because I've had so much stuff to do, but that, that's one thing that you keep your, your, your body fit, keeps your mind sharp. Yeah. What's one resource you use in your business that you just can't live without? Microsoft Excel. I could, I, I could, I could do, uh, you know, when the, when all you have is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And when all you have is Excel, everything kind of looks like cells and, and, and columns and rows. The ability for me to do a lot of, a lot of different stuff in Excel, there's probably much, much more advanced programs for the individual aspects, the individual little things that I do, but, but I've, I've, I've built a business based off of Excel and and a few more complicated geologic modeling softwares that, that are the, I have to pay quite a handsome sum to use, but Mm. I would say I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of Excel. Cool. What's one book you would recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs? Well, Relevant to myself or to anyone else who wants to get involved in the oil and gas industry, I was really, I really enjoyed reading T. Boone Pickens' "The First Billion Is the Hardest." <laughs> his 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 uh, journey was was an interesting one, and he he started his own business out of necessity yeah. as well. And he was a very tenacious individual, and he was very calculated. And he's written a number of books throughout his life, 
and has has actually has his own podcast that I enjoy listening to. And he's really been someone who is inspirational because his knowledge of energy and his ability to connect the dots with, with certain issues and certain things hmm. is, is quite astounding. That's awesome. I don't think we've had that one uh, recommended yet, but on our resources page of PositivelyWV.com, we'll have that listed along with every other book over the last year and a half that's been recommended and a link to buy it on Amazon. So thanks for that, Chad. If, Absolutely. And, I, and yeah, one, one follow-up yeah. on that yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is Boone is, is actually a really nice, personable guy. And I had done some work for a client. I didn't realize it right off the bat, but I realized that I was actually drilling a well that he was a major investor in. And it was on his ranch, his Mesa Vista ranch in Roberts County, Texas. Oh. And I thought, wow, that was amazing. I'm, I'm drilling Boone Pickens well. And then I, I read his book, and uh, I talked to my friend who was the client, who was, who was the, uh, the, the geologist for that project. And Boone Pickens himself is a geologist. And a lot of people don't realize that. Oh. And, and he, he, he said, well, yeah, Boone's a really nice guy and, and he's, he's very approachable. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write him a letter because he's, he's an old guy and he's old time. He doesn't have an email address or anything like that from what I was told, probably private. And I wrote him a letter and about two months later, I actually got a letter back. And it was, he, was very, he was very, very kind and very conversative about, about everything. And we, 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 he addressed some questions I had in the book and everything. And it was really, it was really a, a moment in my career and my life as an oil man, as I like to say, that, that really was this big pivotal moment because it was it was one of my heroes who wrote me a letter back and, and I still have it I, I need to frame it but I still have it <laughs> well maybe this podcast will give you some inspiration to get it framed now maybe <laughs> that's cool man that's that was a very very neat little sidebar story so you know we talk about um, ideal customers you know who who could help you you know if you could describe your ideal customer in other words who could help you get your business to that next level who would that be it would be the small to medium range exploration and production company that would, like I say, drill maybe six to 10 to 12 wells per year. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have someone on staff for that. E even larger companies that don't have someone on staff is, is fine. But really that middle of the road type company who is able to see value in acreage that isn't necessarily uh, that it's basically overlooked by the major corporations, but they realize based on the data and really having a granular approach to analyzing the existing data available that this, this acreage could produce a lot more. So they get private equity funding and they go in and they drill it and they're really taking a very, a very keen approach towards how they drill, how they complete, and how they produce these wells. Mm -hmm. And it's great being part of a team that takes such a concentrated focus on the important aspects because being a scientist, it's very enjoyable to see someone who doesn't just say, well, we're going to do this because it's the way it's always been done. But as an entrepreneur and a scientist, I'm saying there's the best way to do this. Let's do, the, do it the best way. And let's, let's get a huge production number on this thing. And let's really, you know, make some heads turn. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. In closing, Chad, how can our listeners learn more about your company and, and maybe even get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm, I am a big fan of LinkedIn, and I'm, I, I usually add anyone on LinkedIn. I, I check it a couple times a day. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, 
you just look me up, Chad Corey. Last name is K-O-U-R-Y. I'm, I'm always, like I said, I'm always checking it. But my website has a lot of information about my business, uh, a good brief overview of what we can provide and what we are capable of, and has my contact information on it. And yeah. that would be the best way to, to get a point. I have my phone number, and my emails on the website, and a little yeah. contact form there. That yeah. that would be a good way. And I'm very I'm very open to to listening to to anybody or anyone needs advice or anything. I all the time I get people recommending, usually young people recommending how how what what should they do? How should they break into it? How should they yeah. they get a, a firm footing? And and I'm always always helpful. I always enjoy being helpful because I know that I was in that position too. And there were a lot of good people that helped me and I'm always appreciative of that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I, uh, we'll make sure we have links to all that stuff, all those uh, sites and links and everything you mentioned in our show notes of the, of the podcast. Chad, I got to tell you, it's been a real honor to have you on our podcast today. What you're doing is really awesome. Uh, not only for, you know, for your, your piece of the pie, but for you know, providing the service all over, uh, anywhere that gas exploration is actually happening, like you said, in Texas, the, the Northeast. And so I just want to commend you on the great job that you're doing as an entrepreneur, as a as a small business owner. Keep it up. You're a, a very inspirational young man. Well, I appreciate that. And I have to say that the the entire crux of this podcast, too, is, is just the same, where you're trying to highlight the positive aspects of the, of the state and what people are trying to do. And, and I, I, I enjoy listening to it. And I'd say to you, keep it up. All right, man. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State, just like Chad Corey and Corey Geosteering, our hope is that we in some way inspire and motivate our audience by sharing these success stories in West Virginia. If you or someone you know of would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website, PositivelyWV.com. And we, of course, appreciate all of your comments. Uh, and your encouragement, the notes that you guys send us. That's really cool. Keep that coming. It means a lot to all of us, uh, myself and our team here at Interaction Media. Uh, and, of course, we, you know, we encourage you to share these stories on social media as well. That, that really gets us a lot of traction. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia.